Welcome to Living Water Radio. It's often said that our country is politically polarized, that opinions have taken on an either-or quality. This polarization finds its expression in every aspect of our society. It has even had an influence on the church. What can we do about it? Today we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Burkettall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a Christian Church Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. I served a church in San Dimas that had a very good preschool. I did chapel services for the children twice a week so that the children not attending every day could get to the popular services at least once a week. That's how the children got to know me, and that's almost the only place they saw me. Plus, I was the only male the students usually saw all day. So when I had to go to the preschool office or to find the director on the playground, I was, well, kind of a big deal. The first child who saw me would alert the others, Pastor! Pastor! It always reminded me of the advice given by one of my seminary professors. If you ever get down on yourself, or you feel discouraged, or that nobody likes you, and you have a preschool, go out on the playground. You're always a hero out there. One day, the school had brought in an amphibian show for the children. It was held in the parish hall so all the children could see it. I went over as well. At one point, the handlers brought out a 70-foot Burmese python and asked if any one of the staff would like to have it draped on their shoulders. I was one who volunteered. And when they put this very heavy, pale yellow snake on me, with one handler holding the snake at one end and another handler at the other end, the director took a picture. She put that picture on the wall in the preschool offices, and whenever a child had become so inconsolably upset that the director had to be asked to get involved, she would bring the child into that office and show them the picture. Look, there's a picture of the pastor with a big snake on his shoulders. The image seemed to so stun the child and take his or her focus off whatever had upset them that they calmed right down. I've talked and written about the causes of our polarity. Spoiler alert, social media is a major factor. But today I'm just thinking about how to get past that polarity. Fix the problem, not the blame, as they say. How do we get past the divisions at every dinner table, on every church leadership council, every youth sports team, every workplace and school? It has become nearly impossible to hold a civil conversation among friends, families, and even church members. I've had responses to these videos, podcasts, and blogs that take issue with my support of masks and vaccines. They often say something like, don't get vaccinated. Faith in Jesus is all we need. I respond that if we don't care for ourselves or others, is that not putting God to the test, as Jesus said during his temptations? But I get the feeling that we are talking past each other. For some, that's it. 
and some of those who responded regularly to our media in the past no longer do so. How can we at least recognize the good intentions in one another and have a civil conversation? Is civil conversation even possible in our society? And is that even enough for Christians? If it's not happening anywhere else, I think that it most certainly should be happening in the church, at a minimum. How do we get there? What can unite us when we are ruled by distrust and suspicion? I offer four suggestions. First, I think that, like the boa constrictor, there must be restraining influences at both ends of the issue spectrum. Influencers, perhaps voices from near but at less than the extreme ends, can have a moderating effect on their careless brothers and sisters. Second, the weight of these issues is, like supporting a boa constrictor, being shouldered by those in the middle or near the middle of the spectrum. They should not be shunned, but be sought out to be moderators from the middle. They can see the bigger picture, and so are in a position to be a part of the solution to our impasses. Third, I think that the Church can and should lead the way in being a constructive influence in our society going forward, even moving toward love for one another. We have learned through countless controversies that we don't need to be disagreeable when we disagree. The hallmark of the early Christians in very stressful times was their love for one another and for all people, including those not only outside the Church, but even for those who were actively persecuting them. Peter's first letter, chapter 1, starting at the 22nd verse, contains this exhortation. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That word is the good news that was announced to you. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Being civil or even being nice is not the standard for Christians. Rather, we are called to listen to one another, to seek understanding, and to be reconciled with one another, to respect one another. In other words, to love one another. In John chapter 13, beginning at the 34th verse, we read, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Early Church Father Tertullian, a Roman theologian from Carthage in Africa, who lived from around 160 to 225 AD, said of Christians in the culture of his day, Look, they say, how they, Christians, love one another, for they themselves hate one another, and how they are ready to die for each other for they themselves are readier to kill each other. This from www.oxfordreference.com. The same Holy Spirit that was at work in the church then is at work now, 
Can we not aspire to be known for our love for one another in our culture today? What might that look like at a time when our culture supports polarization? Martin Luther, the 16th century church reformer, gave us a clue, I think, in his explanation of the Eighth Commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. He said, we are to fear, which means awe-filled respect, and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbors, betray or slander them, or destroy their reputations. Instead, we are to come to their defense, speak well of them, and interpret everything they do in the best possible light. These are strong words. They would mean that our interactions with one another would start with love. Fourth, have we not tasted that the Lord is good? I cannot tell you how many times I have gone to assemblies and conferences of my denomination and found myself in the minority with regard to some hot-button issue, sometimes the tiny and now shrinking minority. We often disagreed about what God was saying through the Word of God, the Bible, to the Church, but I know of no one who was saying that God was not speaking to the Church. It was my hope that our common relationship with God would draw us together, just as spokes on a wheel get closer to one another as they get closer to the hub. Most of those gatherings ended in worship that included Holy Communion. Without exception, I remember walking away from receiving the bread and the wine and looking at those with whom I had had emotional debates on opposite sides of an issue and seen not enemies, but brothers and sisters in Christ. I recall the gratitude I felt for the presence and reconciling power of God. I believe that the same Holy Communion, what some call the Eucharist or the Sacrament of the Altar, is the primary thing that God has given us to reconcile our polarization in the gift of faith we have all received in our common relationship with the one true living God. How do we love one another in our churches? The same way we always have, by putting our relationship with God at the center of all that we do and our love for God and for one another at the center of all we say. That love that Christians have for one another is not a warm feeling. It's hard, and it doesn't always make us feel good. The word that the Bible uses in its original Greek for that kind of love is agape. It differs from friendship natural affection, attraction, or love of one's country. It is selfless love. It is the kind of love with which God loves humanity, the love that led God to die for us on the cross. It doesn't come from us. It can only come as a gift of God's presence within us. In John's first letter, the fourth chapter, the 16th verse, he writes, So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. What brings us through this current polarization will be our willingness to moderate our extremes, our willingness to bear the weight of the task before us, keeping our focus on what we have in common in the Word and sacraments, and the love of God that abides in us, expressed in our love for one another. Today, let's remember to pray for all those who have yet to get the vaccine, because they are most at risk to themselves and to others. 
And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have available and support your church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay at home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.